Welcome to Is It Halloween Yet? Episode 13, a spooky little podcast where we talk about all things horror and ask, Is it Halloween yet? I'm afraid not, ghouls, ghosts, and goblins. It's 62 days until Halloween. I'm your ghost dispenser. Let's see what we've got on the slab this week. We've got some news, and we're going to talk about the Candyman series. Let's get into the news. I've got a trio of home releases for you this week, starting with our favorite spooky neighbors, the Adams Family. October 19th, the mysterious and spooky family comes to 4K Ultra HD Blu-ray in time to celebrate their 30th anniversary. The release will include a new behind-the-scenes featurette and a restored new cut of the film. Up next is the Mary Heron masterpiece American Psycho. It's getting a steelbook Ultra 4K Blu-ray exclusive to Best Buy release on October 15th. It is the same cut and print of the 4K Blu-ray, just in a sleek, beautiful packaging. The Howling is celebrating its 40th anniversary and is getting a brand new 4K transfer of the film. The U.S. release has yet to be announced, but U.K. listeners can get their hands on this new transfer on October 25th. The disc will include a new featurette about the career of the Howling director, Joe Dante. That's all for home releases, but we do have a new theatrical announcement. Boris Karloff documentary, The Man Behind the Monster, will be released on September 17th for a limited theatrical run. Shout will be bringing this to digital platforms with more information to come soon. The documentary digs into the mystery of the late actor's life. Video game news is going strong with Gamescom going on, so let's get to the shooting and the slashing. Sci-fi shooter Ripout is headed to PC via Steam on February 1st, 2022. The game lets you and your friends kill monsters in space who are hunting you for your blood. Konami is giving Castlevania fans a little treat. They have refigured their latest Castlevania mobile game, Castlevania Grimoire of Souls for Apple Arcade. Gone are the shitty microtransactions that plagued the game's original release, leading it to be shut down in July of 2020. Konami has soon for a release date. Grimoire of Souls has 60 levels and lets players unlock classic Castlevania characters like Alucard and Simon Belmont. Glad to see Apple Arcade get such a great find, and cool to see a game that was pretty good minus some bad monetization choices get a second chance at life. Horror shooters are a dime a dozen now, but in Cultic you can play a love letter to 90s style shooter with multiple play styles and a violent cult to overthrow. Coming to all platforms sometime in 2022. We've got a bunch of Dead by Daylight news. Behavior let us all know last week that Stranger Things will be leaving the game in November due to the licensing coming to an end. While you can try to outsmart the entity as Steve or Nancy, or even be the entity's good demon dog if you buy them before November 17th. However, Hawkins National Laboratory map will be retired on the 17th. And while I'm sad to see the killer and survivor leave the game, Hawkins map can rest in piss. I've never been able to wrap my head around that map even when I play as a killer who's suited for it like Ghostface. The sheer number of fucking pallets makes me hate it. To soften the blow, or you know, the natural cadence of their releases, Behavior also announced that the Chapter 21 killer is everyone's favorite hell priest, Pinhead. 
After a long, silly season of guessing and hunting for clues, the Cenobite leader was revealed in the game. Fans have been having some fun in the public test build. He will be officially added to the game sometime in September. Still no release date and not a lot more info, but Souls-like horror game The Lies of P, based on the story of Pinocchio, has a new teaser website. I'm intrigued at finding what this game ends up being all about. Let's see what horrific sights have been brought to the small screen this week. Fans of the OA can rejoice. The team that brought you that and the feature film Sound of My Voice are collaborating on a new mystery series called Retreat, and the synopsis is giving me big clue vibe. Darby and 11 other guests are invited by a reclusive billionaire to participate in a retreat at a remote and dazzling location. When one of the other guests is found dead, Darby must fight to prove it was murder against a tide of competing interests before the killer takes another life. FX let us all know that the wait for Aliens, the TV show, is going to be a bit longer than expected. During an event held a few weeks ago, FX chairman John Landgraf told us that 2023 is most likely the soonest we'll see the horror, sci-fi horror franchise. One of the news pieces that leaves me scratching my head this week and begging people to stop hate-watching things, American Horror Stories, yes, stories, plural, has been renewed for a second season. After a first season that felt like a new and hated episode every week, the spin-off an anthology is coming back, and I honestly don't know why I got this got a second season. The first one was abysmal, and the season finale was the most upset I've seen a fandom since Game of Thrones. It was bad. That whole season was bad. I have gone back and watched four more episodes, and I just... It's pulling teeth to get me to finish this Double Feature came out. Um, I have a video going up about that this week. Shudder announced a new docuseries that will give us more insight to our favorite horror icons. Behind the Monster will premiere on October 26th and run for six weeks. This first season will be hitting all of the big ones you're thinking of, starting off with the man of the episode and of the hour, Candyman. I can't wait to see the interviews with the men who brought these characters to life. Graphic novel The Squad is getting a TV adaptation thanks to Picture Start and Lionsgate TV. The book, which hasn't even been released yet, centers on a queer woman of color who follows a team of high school girls who are popular and spend their nights roving the streets as werewolves, ridding the school of sexual predators. I have been waiting for this novel to hit the shelves, and I won't have to wait much longer. It arrives sometime this fall. It's been a busy fall for horror film-based TV shows. We've got Chucky, I Know What You Did Last Summer, and now we can add Day of the Dead. It will premiere on October 15th, the day that is turning out to be a non-stop horror party. With this, the just-mentioned I Know What You Did Last Summer show, Halloween Kills, and Ventum, Let There Be Carnage, all releasing on that day. The Void and PG Psycho Gorman director will be heading up four of the ten episodes. I'm very excited to see where he specifically takes Day of the Dead. He is such a master of puppetry and effects that I'm excited to see what he is going to bring to Day of the Dead. But the little screen doesn't get to have all the fun. Let's see where we're going with horror movie news this week. Director of Green Room, 
Macon Blair has been working on a remake of the beloved trauma classic, The Toxic Avenger for Legendary Entertainment. That film has now wrapped, and it's starring Elijah Wood. It means to take a Deadpool-like twist to the horror comedy. No word yet on when we will see the freaky hero in theaters, though. Don't, don't Breathe 2 posted $10.6 million at the box office in its opening weekend and ended up being the movie everyone worried it would be. The man who raped a woman via a turkey baster was given the anti-hero, or as the filmmaker likes to call it, the anti-villain treatment. But as reviews roll in, it became clear that this movie could not help but try to give him a redemption of sorts. Check out the show notes for a link to Amanda the Jedi's excellent review on this movie. Because I won't be making a movie review about it because I'm not glorifying a man that they have made out to be a horrific villain. Welcome to Blumhouse is back with four new original horror movies. The series of films will kick off on Amazon Prime on October 1st. Here's a quick rundown of all four films. Bingo Hell tells the story of a senior citizen who fights to protect her neighborhood from an evil force that is taking over and killing residents through the local bingo hall. Black as Night follows a teen and a band of her friends as they spend the summer battling vampires in their hometown of New Orleans. Madras is set in the 1970s where a Mexican-American couple who's on the precipice of becoming parents moved to a small California migrant farming community where strange symptoms and visions threaten their new life. The Manor centers around a woman who is forced to move into a historic nursing home after suffering a mild stroke. She becomes convinced that there is a supernatural force killing off the home's residents. HBO Max is now the home of Evil Dead. Next month, all three Evil Dead movies will make their way to the service. But that's not all HBO has in store for us. We've got James Wan Malignant headed to the service. Check out the link in the show notes to Bloody Disgusting's list of everything horror that's hitting the service next month. Army of Dead spinoff Army of Thieves hits Netflix on October 29th. You've been warned, there are no zombies in this one, but there is lots of the lovable vault cracker Dieter as he cracks vaults and safes all across Europe. Creep is one of my favorite horror movies, so I'm excited to see that Patrick Bryce's new film, There's Someone Inside of Your House, is launching on Netflix on October 6th. The story revolves around a high school senior who's being targeted along with the rest of her class by a masked killer who's revealing all of their secrets to the world. We've just got a few seasonal stories to wrap up this news roundup, and we're going to start with the AMC Fear Fest. The annual cable network horror extravaganza will run the entire month of October. It's giving us everything from Halloween to Scream and a new season of Eli Roth's History of Horror. It would be cool if the historical record of our beloved genre wasn't in the hands of a few-time accused sexist, but horrors continue to be made in Hollywood, so I guess we just can't have nice things. Halloween Horror Nights is getting a Halloween for maze in Hollywood, and the Terror Tram is back. This time, it's Purge theme. I hope all of you Los Angelinos have a safe and fun time at Halloween Horror Nights this year. And that's going to do it for the news this week. Now, let's talk about a movie that I adore, and a sequel that I like, and one sequel I can't even finish. We're going to talk about 
Candyman. We're going to talk about the 1992 Candyman. We're going to talk about Candyman Farewell to the Flesh, which is in 1996. And I'm going to briefly touch on the hot mess that is Candyman Day of the Dead. I have seen the new Candyman. That's what Thursday's episode is going to be all about. I am very excited to talk about it. But I am very excited because I think it may lead people back to the original Candyman. And I think that the original Candyman is expanded and greater because of a new one. And that's very rare. We see reboot sequels do that. I um, have a very succinct review for Candyman 1992 on my letterbox and it is the world's most thoughtful slasher movie and I stand behind that. Candyman has been a favorite of mine because while yes we do get the gore and the slasher and the the things we think of of that slasher period in the 80s and early 90s we also get a lot of thoughtfulness about a city and about the problems of a city and I think that it just really does a great job and I think that everything about Candyman from Bernard Rose's writing and directing to Tony Todd being the titular Candyman, and and also Virginia Madsen being able to rise to the level of Tony Todd in this movie is what makes the first one so special and so perfect. Um, there are very few movies I think are near perfect, and Candyman, the original one, is. There's some sets, there's some... There's some set choices that are weird. There's some stunts that are questionable, but it is made in 1992. And um, for the time period, they look great. I think the one thing everyone probably is thinking of him being yeeted out that window, like you could see the string, but it's still effective. I remember it like terrifying me as a child, right? Not a child. Um, I didn't see it until I was probably 15 and then I've watched it on and off and um, it's always one of the movies I get people who don't like horror movies to watch because I think it does such a lovely time of telling a story and really making you invested in the characters you're invested in Helen even though you can definitely just see like ooh, you shouldn't be doing that, or mm, why are you doing that? Like, she does have those moments, but they're less like running up the front door, running up the stairs when she should be running out the front door, to quote Sidney Prescott. And then everything about Tony Todd and Candyman draws you into that character. The backstory, um... The characterization, I think for a long time we had thought of slashers as, for a long time we think of slashers as lumbering, plodding, 
uh, big men who just lumber along and use one axe swing and inflict a bunch of damage or use one knife stab and inflict a bunch of damage, right? Like Jason and Michael. And even like My Bloody Valentine or some of the other like Halloween ripoffs that happened, like the holiday ripoffs that had happened. All of those characters are very lumbering and quiet and they are the essence of evil. That is just why they are. They kill because they are the essence of evil. That isn't the case with Candyman. You feel bad for Daniel Robitaille. You feel the pain of how wronged he is. And that the fact that you can like sympathize with him and makes him makes you root for him in a way that you don't root for other people because he's out there killing innocent people and he's doing an excellent job of framing people who aren't killing ex killing but you still see him as a sympathetic figure and i think it's everything from the way that he commands a room i think it is that the decision somewhere along the line was given to give him that Dracula-esque seductive quality. Not many horror villains have that. And when they do, it's like, I can only think of a couple that really successfully pull that off. And Candyman is one of those. Uh, Candyman is excellent at that. From the sing-song way he talks to Helen to telling her that he wants her to be immortal with him so that he can be reunited with the woman that he loves, even though Helen isn't that woman. She is just the reincarnation of that woman's soul. You just feel the sorrow from all of that. And then contrast that with the fact that like Helen has a pretty shitty husband. Um, he's cheating on her with his students, which is unethical on multiple levels isn't very supportive of her. Like the second she gets shipped off to a mental hospital, he's painting their apartment pink with his college student girlfriend. But in having that bright garish looking version of when a man is a monster in a relationship, you also see Candyman who is being terrible and horrible and isolating her. He's killing everyone around her so that she has no choice but to come and be with him and in the end she chooses not to and it's a very powerful choice that has repercussions on the story that you could never have intended and we'll talk about that when I talk about the new one but um the fact that Helen is true to who Helen seems to be through this movie Someone who wants to get the truth of a story out and wants to find why these urban legends are happening in this place that is just so wrecked with community suffering. She lives through that and um, I think that it is a choice that seems small in the original film, but big now in the later parts to come. I think I like Farewell to the Flesh. Let's talk about the second sequel. Um, I think I like Farewell to the Flesh more than most people. Um, 
I do think that a lot of what is wrong with it is the actress they chose to go against Todd I don't think really has any chemistry with Tony Todd. I don't think that she is playing the role badly. I think her acting is great. I think her acting choices are even great. I just don't think that they mesh with Todd's version of Candyman. Specifically, like, we rarely see them close interacting. Like, they're always in the same room a lot in that movie. Like, when he's killing her husband or when he's killing her mother. But, like, when we finally see them in the, like, mirror scene at the end in the slave quarters, there's just nothing. Like, and it shouldn't be, like, the same kind of, like, love between – you shouldn't feel the same kind of emotion that you feel between Helen and Candyman because Helen is not his family. And this is his great-great-great-granddaughter. But there is – there is no – there is no familial even love. Like, she says all the things of, like, he's our family. Why did you do this? But when it comes to her, like, destroying the mirror and doing that stuff, you don't feel like that is hard for her. It feels like, well, we just have to kill the villain. We just have to get rid of the boogeyman. The sh we have to wrap it up somehow. There's no conflict in the fact that... This man is her father. And I think it also pulls its punches in the fact that it doesn't dive into why the mother is so willing to try to wipe him from her family tree. Like there's a a whole line of story and plot that would have meshed well with the racial themes of the first one that just gets left on the table. I think it's very strange that it has such little social or has such little social things to say for a sequel to a movie that had so much to say. So I don't think it's a bad movie. I think it really does a good job in like um, solidifying the mythos of Candyman because you do get to see the part where they cut off his hand and they cover him in bees and you get to see that whole thing play out in front of your eyes and that's it's like cool. It's nice to see that. So I really do like Farewell to the Flesh. And I think that they really were trying to make a good movie, which I cannot say about the third one. The third one's just bad. Like, uh, I have seen it all the way through. Um, I did not finish it for this rewatch. I got about 25 minutes into where Candyman shows up for the first time and was like, I can't. Candyman as a character, more so than any other horror icon is dependent on having a final girl who can match him match him in intelligence match him in empathy match him in anger he has to have that otherwise the character especially when it's played by tony todd has a chance to overwhelm them and if you don't have the grounding of that final girl being reality to which Candyman can spin his tail around it just falls apart and I think that's what happens in Day of the Dead I cannot find a redeeming thing I like about that. Oh, no, that's not true. 
Uh, I do like that the bees, he comes flying in on bees and that gets carried forward into the new one. And I won't say any more about the new one until next week because I don't want to spoil it. And I want to give time for people to see it. And I want people to know that they don't have to listen to. They're, it's going to be very spoilery on Thursday. So yeah, I really love Candyman. I love four, three of the four movies that are out now. And I hope that you can look past how dated the costuming and the story telling is because it is a little bit slower paced like a 90s movie and not so quickly tightly paced like now. I hope you can look past that and really watch a movie that is is what horror movies should strive for. Horror is such a great opportunity to examine the hurt and pain and injustice of the world around us that I hope that more movies do that. I hope it isn't mindless slashers have their 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 place too, but I am I am hopeful that we will see more of these thoughtful kind of movies on our way to us. So that's going to do it for this week. Not really. I will see you on Thursday when I have all of last week's news and my Candyman 2021 review. I'm the Ghost Dispenser. You can find me all over the internet as Miss Nintendeek64. You can find this podcast all over the internet at a Halloween Club. Got a YouTube channel? Got a YouTube account? Go give us a subscribe. I'm going to be streaming horror games on YouTube starting on Friday at 2 p.m. So I think you know what time it is then. Sleep or don't. <laughs>